This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, It's a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividends so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for our second episode of our hypothetical portfolio. Yes, a lot of momentum building with this one. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. If you haven't tuned in before and you've just joined the show welcome to equity mates and our journey of investing great to have you as part of the community what we are doing in this episode is building out well discussing the core component of our hypothetical portfolio i would suggest going back uh, to last monday's episode and having a listen to us kicking off the concept of the hypothetical portfolio because it's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Now, we need to reiterate that everything we talk about here, because we are going to get a little bit specific in this episode, is not advice. It is simply us trying to apply the lessons that we've learned and the lessons that we continue to learn yeah. to a hypothetical portfolio. Yes. So, do not take it as a buy, <laughs> hold or sell recommendation. Yes. Simply another learning tool for you to do your own research on. Absolutely. So as we said, this is going to be all about building out the core component of our portfolio, which will be around ETFs and index investing. But before we do, got some housekeeping that we need to cover off. Yeah. And then we should explain what you meant by that core and satellite, but let's do the housekeeping first. (laughs) So exciting news, Ren. We have partnered up with our good friends over at BetaShares. You know, every week we just get inundated with questions around ETFs. Yes. So what we have done is decided to host a live event. Unfortunately, given COVID, this live event can't be on in person like it has been over the last couple of years. Yeah, we've got an unbeaten track record of doing live shows, well, in Sydney and Melbourne at least. Yes. And while we can't get out and see everyone, especially in Melbourne. And probably by the time this episode is released, Sydney will be locked down as well. Down. <laughs> Potentially. Uh, bold prediction. <laughs> um, we want to do some form of a evening with the audience and uh, we're doing it all about ETFs this year. 
So the event is called Ask the Experts, an ETF special with Equity Mates and BetaShares. We're going to be sitting down with co-founder of BetaShares, Elon, and answering all of the questions that we have been getting through all of our social forums to do with ETFs from you guys. We'll also be opening up a Q&A session on the night, so you can actually ask Elon yourself any question that you like when it comes to ETFs. As Ren said, this is not just a Sydney event, Australia-wide, worldwide, whatever it may be. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) (laughs) It's a free event. And there will be some awesome prizes, mainly just uh, some T-shirts that we've got laying around that (laughs) we'll be giving out on the night. So lock it into your diary, Tuesday 11th of August, kicking off at 7.30pm. To register and to submit your questions, head to www.betashares.com.au forward slash equity hyphen mates. That's betashares.com.au forward slash equity hyphen mates. And or jump on any of our social channels and we'll, we'll share the link in that spiel there. Absolutely. So it's going to be an awesome evening, probably run for about 45 minutes to an hour. As we said, your opportunity to hear firsthand from the experts in the industry of, of uh, ETFs. And also, really, you get the opportunity to ask them yourself. So we'll be sort of facilitating that conversation with Elon. We're pretty excited to do that. Yeah, yeah. So please join us. Otherwise, it'll be a pretty lonely live stream if it's just the three of us. <laughs> yes. um, and feel free to ask questions outside of ETFs. You know, if you want to ask about Bryce's dating life or his, <laughs> uh, true. his, his battle with his vices or <laughs> any, anything or like that. Or balding issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, look, it's going to be videoed. So you'll see my uh, shiny and hairless head up close true, and personal. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So looking forward to that. Similarly, tomorrow, I am involved in a collaboration between Stake, the broker, and Butter. Ren will be there as well, sitting in the background. Unfortunately, Re- didn't really co- Zuckerberg in <laughs> here. Unfortunately, didn't get a bait to the panel, but that's okay. We're doing a, a live stream with, uh, as I said, Stake and Butter, the sneaker and fried chicken shop. They, they looked at Bryce and they were like, he's a guy that likes fried chicken. <laughs> we'll get him on the panel. Sneakers, my friend. Sneakers, no. So if you're interested in joining us, we're going to be talking about the sneaker trading industry, which is pretty fascinating. If you're not deep into that, I knew nothing about it. And also what's been happening in stocks over the last few months in the US market. So head to Stakes website. There's also a link on our Facebook page if you're interested in joining. Again, free event will run for about 45 minutes. So that's going to be pretty cool and uh, a bit different. So tune into that. Apologies if you have missed it because you're a bit behind with the episodes, but all good. For people who don't want to hear about sneakers, but want to hear about sneaker stocks... Bryce will be sharing his due diligence on Adidas and Nike and be providing buy, hold and sell recommendations. <laughs> Not true. Um, <laughs> I will be sharing my favorite stock uh, sneaker currently on the market at the moment though, Ren. So. Do you want to give us a sneak peek? A sneaker peek? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of high quality banter you can expect from Bryce on the night. <laughs> it's called The Roger. And it is a collaboration between Roger Federer and a Swiss brand called On. The reason I like it, finite in the number of shoes, only 1,000. A very popular, very popular. It's going to be worth a lot of money. It looks pretty cool as well. So, Well, as someone who hasn't bought shoes since 2015, I'm not too, <laughs> too up to date on the sneaker market. That's okay. But I, I think I would have to throw my lot in with uh, future president of the United States, Kanye West. Oh, and, the Yeezys. And his uh, Yeezys. 
Aussies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's enough housekeeping. If you're interested in both of those events, we would love you to join us online. So uh, head to our Facebook, Instagram, or if you would like more info, hit us up on our social channels and we can provide it for you. But now to the meat of the show, Ren. And as we said at the start, it's all about building out the core component of our hypothetical portfolio. And you mentioned it's very important that we discuss the reason why we're calling it core. We did sort of mention last episode that this was going to be our benchmark portfolio, but it's more than that. It is actually forming a larger part of our total portfolio. That's it. So a bit of a basics 101 for people who aren't familiar. The concepts of a core and satellite portfolio are really useful when you're thinking about how you're investing and what you're investing in. The core is those long-term holdings with a multi-decade time horizon, basically your superannuation, but in your brokerage account. They're generally index funds that you know track specific markets, whichever one you want to buy. And generally you're looking at you know dollar cost averaging or just holding for a very long time. And that forms the core of your portfolio. It's generally larger than the satellite, which we'll get to in a second. And the reason for that is that very few people beat the market over a long period of time. Getting market average returns and enjoying the power of compounding is all you need to grow wealth. So this whole concept of stock picking and of trading that so many people think about when they think about investing in shares, you can put that completely out of your mind when we talk about the core portfolio. It's not needed and it's not needed to grow well. So the core portfolio is sort of set and forget in a way and it's not lazy, but it's less work that's required. Mm. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Just for the sake of completeness, the satellite portfolio is then where you can take a little bit more risk. You can buy some individual stocks, you can trade, you can try and outperform the market, but you should do it in the full knowledge that it is incredibly hard for professionals to outperform the market. And if they're going to struggle to do it, we're definitely going to struggle to do it. So I think we're going to talk about the core today. We're going to talk about some of the things that we would invest in the core portfolio. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit more excitement in the satellite portfolio. When we talk about individual stocks, it's a little sexier. It's a little more fun. That'll keep you guys interested. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think... The good, a good foundation of anyone's portfolio is this concept of a core. And so that's what we're going to really get stuck into today. Yes. Nice one, Ren. So yeah, to remain consistent with, with our message and how we think about investing, that is exactly what we're going to be doing. Now, as you mentioned, Ren, in reality, your core generally makes up anywhere up to maybe 90% of your portfolio and 10% is that satellite. Now, Well, even 100% if you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's in reality. In this instance, um, we haven't had the discussion of if we're going to actually try and replicate that. I don't think we probably will given that we just like having a bit of a play around in the satellite space. I think for the ease of comparison, we should just try and aim for sort of 50-50. Yeah. Because then, yeah. Well, given that we're going to be taking about a grand a month in available cash, you know, it's probably going to weight out the same relatively at the end of the day. So obviously, you know, it depends on your personal circumstances. It depends on your money and your expenses and all of that. But if you're thinking specifically for you, you should speak to a financial planner or someone. As a general rule of thumb, you hear people who want to take more risks and trade more in their satellite portfolio sort of look at 60% core, 40% satellite. For people who want to have less risk, think about stocks less, don't have the time to do as much research on individual stocks, 
to Bryce's point, sort of 90-10 or even 100-0. Mm. Nothing yeah. wrong with 100-0. Nothing wrong at all. Yeah. Market average returns Perfect. grow serious wealth. Yes, I'd take that any day. Yeah. Nice. So let's move on to the structure of this. Building out the core portfolio, what is the aim of our portfolio and what are we really trying to achieve here? Ren, you mentioned the first one, which is long-term set and forget multi-decade investing time horizon. Yes, yes. So that's the philosophy, the investing philosophy, I guess. What we're trying to achieve, I would summarize as global market average returns. Perfect. I'm happy with that. Nice one. So how we will achieve that, we will get into a little bit later. But let's discuss the rules for this portfolio. So we, we made some rules for our satellite portfolio. Now, those rules aren't necessarily going to apply to our core, completely different way of thinking. So how about we start with our purchasing sort of cadence with this? Because we made the rule with our satellite portfolio that we don't necessarily have to buy every single month. We don't have to sell every single month. It's it's a unconstrained approach, a little bit different for this one. Yes, yes. This one, we're going to fully embrace the concept of dollar cost averaging. For people who are unfamiliar with that term, it essentially is you're buying a set dollar amount of an investment of an asset at a set time period. And so it takes all the concept of trying to time the market off the table. If the market's down, the set amount that you're spending will buy more of the assets. If the market's up, it will buy less. But over time, this purchase price that you're buying it at will average out. It's the extension of the set and forget approach. It's the have a sort of rules-based framework to average into the market. And so that's what we're going to embrace here because all we're trying to do is invest for the very long term and average into ETFs and funds that track the market. Now, we will obviously be including brokerage fees in all of this and tracking that just as we so we can replicate reality and we'll be looking at one of the brokers, I guess, that has the lowest fee because well, we not, hate fees. Yeah, we hate <laughs> fees and we'll get into that when we talk about the ETFs. Let's not nominate a broker no, at this no. stage. Now, the other point to that, Ren, is that given that we're going to be constrained somewhat by the $1,000 available each month and we'll discuss in a little bit how much we're actually going to start with to kick this whole thing off, but given that we're going to be doing 1000 a month, we're not going to be able to dollar cost average into every single one of our ETFs every single month. No. So we're going to need to give thought to how we maintain the weighting of our portfolio and structure that over the next sort of 12 months or so. So we'll discuss that as time goes on. That's a question around portfolio construction and weighting and all of that. And it's something that everyone faces every day anyway. You're not always going to have money available to invest in every single ETF you have at a consistent time frame. Yes. Yeah. Now, the the next question comes down to actively managed ETFs, Ren, or index only. Now, this is a component of portfolio construction as well. What are your thoughts around this? Well, I I even had a step further back, which is uh, there's more there's more in the world than actively managed ETFs and indexes. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about managed funds, like private managed funds. We can talk about LICs. We're not really going to talk about individual stocks for this core portfolio. I think any of the above are acceptable. We're definitely going to wait towards passive ETFs. So ETFs that just track an index or a basket of assets or stocks. But I I don't see any reason why you couldn't apply these principles to a managed fund, an LIC or an actively managed ETF. But I'm interested to get your thoughts as well. 
I don't disagree with you at all. I don't think there should be a rule around us uh, sticking to passively managed indexes. Interesting that you included LICs in here. I perhaps would have considered them more in the satellite portfolio, but now that I think about it, it probably makes more sense to include them in here. It just means we would probably be actively managing this portfolio more than perhaps otherwise. I don't think so. I think, let's use a specific example. If you think Paul Moore's Asian Opportunities Fund or whatever it's called is going to, you know, is going to outperform for the next 20 years yeah, fair call. and you just want to average into that position, I think that's that's completely yeah. fine. The, it, obviously, the risk then is a little bit higher. And so, for some purists, that, that may not be an acceptable approach in the satellite portfolio. But I think if you're following the same rules, if you're just averaging in over a long period of time, you're not trying to beat the market. I mean, he's trying to beat the market, yeah, but yeah. you're you're just you know putting money in. I think it's acceptable. All right. So no rules around uh, actively managed versus passive. So that's great. And to your point around fees, Ren, we're we're, we're going to be aiming for the lowest fee ETF in the category, give or take. Um, yes, w- yeah. if we're looking at that sort of investment type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some of them, there's eccentricities when it comes to what you're actually buying. So gold is a really good example of that. There's a number of ETFs that track gold. The cheapest management fee for a gold ETF is the Perth Mint gold ETF. Management fee is 0.15%. So basically, rather than the fund holding physical gold, it gives the owner of the ETF basically a fully paid call option on a set amount of gold. And so you still you still benefit if the price of gold goes up, but it's, a, it's structured a little bit differently. So yes, at a high level, we're going to prioritize lowest management fees with the exception if there's an, something in the fund that you know means that we're not going to do it. But we'll, obviously, we'll talk through that when we get quite specific. One more rule just to close this section out, and that is around where we will be buying these. For simplicity's sake, we'll only be focusing on ASX-listed opportunities. That's just, you know, a little bit easier for everyone. Yeah, we're an Australian podcast, and everyone in Australia has access to Australian stocks. If you're listening overseas, or if you're an Australian investor that has brokerage and wants uh, that can access international markets, and you want to access international markets... The principles will all still apply. Yes. Just so you may have to do some of your own research to look up, you know, UK listed ETFs, American listed ETFs, but all of the principles that we're talking about are truly universal. Capital markets are global and the rules are all similar. So take what we're talking about and just do your own research on the tickers in your home country themselves. Nice. So those are the rules that we'll be generally trying to stick to. We've covered off the, I guess, the aim of the portfolio. In terms of the portfolio construction, we've spoken about uh, the mix between actively managed and index, and we're okay with uh, sort of mixing that. Two other main areas that are worth considering in portfolio construction are your asset allocation, obviously, and then within that, there's a sub-asset allocation consideration. But what we mean by that is how are we going to be positioning the portfolio between, say, equities, other assets such as property, fixed interest, and then commodities are probably the other main asset class to consider. So we will break that down in a moment. Ren, when it comes to these sorts of portfolios as well, rebalancing 
is a concept that is often spoken about. Is this something that we want to be doing? Yes. Yes, it is, or yes, rebalancing? <laughs> uh, you asked me a yes or no question. I gave you a yes or no answer. Fair call. So for people unfamiliar with the term, it may be easiest to explain this with an example. Yep. So if you have four stocks, you put $1,000 in each of them, they're each worth 25% of the portfolio. Over the course of the year, things change, prices go up, prices go down, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the year, if one stock has doubled in price, two have stayed the same and one's halved in price, then they're not all worth 25% of the portfolio. Did the maths earlier. One is then worth 44%, two are worth 22% and one's worth 11%. Nice. So given that, and if you want to be equally exposed to it, all of those stocks, then what you would do is you would sell the some of the one that has doubled in price to rebalance into some of the stocks that are now worth weighted less in your portfolio. So rebalancing is about getting the balance of the assets that you have in your portfolio back to the weighting that you wanted. Why is rebalancing important? So generally your asset allocation is built on a number of factors, including your tolerance for risk and then where you think the returns will come from and stuff like that. And so let's put real practical examples to this. If you have Australian, US and European exposure, your US exposure will have done extremely well over the past two months since the depth of COVID and some of your other exposure may have done well, but may not have done as well. There's a lot of risk in the US right now. And so part of rebalancing is about getting the weighting of your stocks back to even so you're not overly exposed to one market. So in this actual example, you would sell some of your US exposure and then rebalance towards Australia and Europe. And then it means if the US keeps going well, then you've still got, got some US holdings, but you're not too exposed for the amount of risk that you want to take on and stuff like that. And so where rebalancing really comes into play is let's say you want to be quite conservative and you want exposure to bonds. As your stocks do really well, they'll, they'll their weighting will increase in the portfolio, but you want to be quite risk averse and you want to be quite conservative. So you're selling some of the, the gains you've made on stocks and putting that back into bonds to keep the risk weighting where you want it to be in a portfolio. So that's the concept. Yeah. How do we want to apply it? I think we should, just as the intellectual exercise of doing it. Absolutely. In terms of how often we rebalance. I think yearly. Yearly? Yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. Given, given that we're not just got a big lump sum and we're just putting it in and then letting it ride, given that we're going to be putting money in you know, every month or however often we do these episodes, we will sort of be rebalancing Absolutely. as we go. Like yeah. if the US is running heaps, then we won't be putting more into that US ETF or maybe we will, but... Depends um, on the dollar cost average strategy, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yearly I think makes sense. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So, Ren, by this point, we have covered off building the core portfolio. What are the rules around it, as well as a little bit around portfolio construction and how we're going to approach rebalancing? Now, to get into the nuts and bolts of the actual construction, what we've done is taken a lot of what the experts are saying in terms of building an ETF portfolio. We've looked at a lot of the literature out there and also taken a couple of examples from some of the robo-advisors who really specialize in this area to see how they construct portfolio now i have a an example of one i know you've got a bit of an approach as well do you want to well this isn't my approach but a lot of people may have heard of the term a 60 40 portfolio and it's sort of the staple when it comes to this portfolio construction asset allocation it's sort of the ubiquitous one that that used to be the standard back in the day and and it refers to 60 percent exposure to equities, so shares, and then 40% exposure to bonds. And that was the the classic, the old school core portfolio, really. And that 60-40 portfolio would be rebalanced either quarterly or yearly. So it was extremely safe. It was probably made for a time when bond yields were a little bit better. It, with interest rates being so low, having 40% of your exposure in low yielding bonds is safe but it's not a great return so yeah that that's probably the first or the, like the earliest and the classic iteration of of what we're talking about here core portfolio portfolio construction but with robo advisors with the absolute ease that we can access some of the asset classes that were a little bit harder to access back in the day things like commercial property and stuff like that were difficult to access now they're easy to access through the share market so now portfolio construction is a little bit more complex i guess but also robust yeah so as i said i've got an example here now this is generally how some of the portfolios are constructed from an asset allocation point of view and of course each of these asset allocations there are etfs available for you to cover them so if we look at most options available you have australian equities and an example of that is the beta shares a200 ETF. Then obviously there's the international equity component. Now you can buy one ETF, the VGAD, which is the MSCI International Shares, covers 1,500 securities across 22 countries. That's excluding Australia because you want international component. Then you have Australian listed property, international listed property. Then you move into the fixed interest components. So you've got Australian fixed interest, which is your bonds, as Alec was just talking about, as well as international fixed interest. There's an infrastructure component and then there's obviously the cash component. So as you can see there, you've got equities, property, fixed interest or bonds, infrastructure and cash. So that's kind of the broad range of assets that you can build a portfolio around. There's one missing. Well, there's many types of assets missing, but Commodities. Yeah. Yeah. So we will uh, discuss that in a second. To Ren's point, how you then construct your portfolio in terms of your time horizon and your goals is dependent on how you weight 
each of these asset classes. So for example, a growth portfolio might be aggressive towards growth assets, which is your, your equity side of things, whereas a defensive portfolio is much more likely to be leaning towards income assets such as fixed interest bonds or or cash, for example. And so when you're talking about aggressive and you know where it will be leaning, that that's then comes down to the percentage of each that you're holding. So the the weighting of equities in an aggressive portfolio will be greater than 50%. Correct. To take a very specific example, we went to StockSpot, which is an online robo-advisor, and I had a look at their aggressive portfolio. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. Looked at their aggressive portfolio with a time horizon of seven plus years. To give you an example of what aggressive means to them, they have a 50% weighting towards Australian shares. Wow. They then have 20% in bonds, uh, 10% in emerging markets, 10% in a global ETF for equities, and 10% in gold. So they're obviously backing in Australia to do pretty well here. (laughs) I find that really interesting. But anyway, that just gives you an example of... I'm going to say it now. We're not going to have 50% exposure to Australian equities. (laughs) When the Australian share market is 2% of the global share market... That's not going to be us. Let's now get to the absolute juicy stuff, Ren. Given our time horizon for this is decades, 10 plus years, where I feel like we're in a position to take an aggressive approach to this. Absolutely. We're going to be more aggressive than you on the footy field. (laughs) Wow, that's very hard to do, Ren. (laughs) Very hard to do. So that means we're going to be very much in favour of growth equities over defensive assets such as cash and gold. And bonds. And bonds. There are sub-asset allocations to consider when it comes to this sort of stuff such as small caps and your domestic versus international versus emerging markets, etc. So we will cover all of that off in the next short time period. But for now, Ren, let's just focus on building out, say, six ETFs that we want to include in our portfolio. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to start with the sexy stuff. We're going to start with the equities, both Australian and international. And let's start with Australia. Yeah. Okay. So the first decision is what's available in Australia and what do we want to invest in with the focus on low fees. Yes. Now, we should say at this point that none of these holdings are are sponsored. ETF providers will generally all have an option for each of these categories, shall we say, and they're all very similar. And so you should do your own research, figure out the the intricacies of each and decide what's right for you. This for us is just us applying our own learnings in deciding what we think we personally should should be choosing for this hypothetical portfolio. (laughs) So what's it going to be? Have I stressed that enough? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. So Australia, there's a number of funds that track different indexes. So the All Ords will track about a basket of 500 Australian stocks. The ASX 200 tracks 200 stocks. You can find ETFs that track, you know, the ASX 20, which is the top 20 stocks. And then you can also find thematic Australian ETFs like Australian tech, Australian agriculture and stuff like that. We're going to choose the ASX 200 index and we're going to focus on the ETF that as of recording offers the lowest fees for that index. And so that's BetaShares A200. Nice. All right. First cab off the rank, BetaShares A200 is going to be the representative for our Australian equities component. 
If we move now to international equities, now two approaches we could take here, Ren. First approach would be to get an all-encompassing MSCI International World Index. It includes everything ex-Australia. However, that's a pretty boring approach from our point of view and not how we would do it. So the way we have decided to get international exposure, and this is also because an all-encompassing World Index is, would be primarily dominated by US stocks anyway. We are breaking it down into three components, U.S. equities ETF, a Europe ETF, and an Asian ETF. So just to add some color to that, because I think that's a really important point, Vanguard's international ETF, VGS, so that's the MSCI World Index X Australian stocks, is 70% North American weighted, 20% European weighted, and then 10% the Pacific, which is really Asia, and then basically nothing anywhere else. And so whilst that makes it easy, you can buy one stock or one ETF and get global exposure, you're very heavily weighted to the US. We've made the decision that we don't want to be that heavily weighted to the US in our international exposure. It's a perfectly fine decision if you want to be that exposed to the US, but we're going to break it up into three regions, shall we say. Yeah, because if in your example that you just gave there, Ren, it's going to take a huge shift in the Asian component to move the dial on that. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it's not it's not that helpful. So we've broken it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our US equities component is going to be the Vanguard Total US Market, ASX ticker VTS. It is unhedged, has a performance fee of 0.03% and gives access to 3,000 530 stocks in the US market. So it covers everything. Yes. Boom. Lowest fees again is critical. Yes. So moving on to Europe, we have again prioritized lowest fees available in Australia. The European indexes, there's a few different ones you can choose. So have a look at the different options available to you. A lot of our information we got from marketindex.com.au. They've got a list of all ETFs in Australia. So that's a good one to have a look at. But the European one we've chosen is the Vanguard FTSE Europe Shares Index, ASX ticker VEQ, which is currency hedged. So they try and track the European the returns of this European index in Aussie dollars. Nice. And then to close out the international equities component, we have got an Asian fund. So it's the Vanguard FTSE Asia, excluding Japan. I think it excludes Australia and New Zealand as well. It does. It has a 0.4% management fee. Just to give you a bit of color on on this ETF, 1,300 stocks that it covers. Some of the big names, Alibaba, Tencent. It's got China Construction Bank in there. And really, it's you know, weighted pretty heavily towards China, but there's also Taiwan, Hong Kong, Korea, and India in there as well. So it really covers some of the large economies in Asia. I think that's something you've got to watch out for with both Asian ETFs and emerging market ETFs is how heavily weighted they are towards China. Yeah. So potentially you can make another tactical decision to find one that's ex-China as well if, if you decide to do that. Yes. So those are going to be our four core component ETFs for the moment. We'll be rebalancing, as we said, as time goes on. We've also included two property ETFs, given that we've spoken about the importance of asset allocation. And because Australians love property and, you know, we're trying to trying to pander to the base here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys love property, yeah, so... <laughs> We're going to be including two property ETFs, the first one being an Australian 
Property ETF, the Vanguard Australian Property Securities Index Fund, 0.24% management fee and tracks Australian real estate investment trusts. I think the top 300. I think it's real estate investment trusts that are in, in the, the top ASX 300. top 300. Yeah. I don't know if there's 300 yeah, rates say, on the market. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be the Australian property component. Equally, there is an international property ETF, and that's the SPDR Dow Jones Global Real Estate Fund. The ticker for that is DJRE, and it has uh, 200 real estate investment trusts within it. So that's what we're going to be using as our property component. So for all those people who think they can't afford to buy a house, you can buy a... ETF that owns many houses (laughs) as well as other types of property. So you can be a property owner in just one trade. So six stocks there, we're going to be buying into them, which we will cover in our next episode. What we have not included in this episode are things like gold, emerging markets, small caps, thematic ETFs, and also fixed interest. Yeah, and concentrated ETFs. So there's still a lot to cover, but we thought in this one, we'd at least get the foundations in place and commit to those six that we're going to be buying. And in next episode, we'll cover off how we're going to be buying them in terms of weighting and also look at these additional asset allocations that we haven't touched on. So stick around for that episode, as well as Ren thinking about our satellite portfolio because we need to do some readjustments there. (laughs) Yes. And if you think we have made a bad decision, if you think there's a better ETF that can be chosen for any of these themes, if you think the themes are wrong, hit us up on socials or... Go to Bryce's uh, weird shoe trading uh, (laughs) thing on Tuesday and slam him on the panel. (laughs) Don't do that. I mean, there's no better chance to talk about this as well than with our BetaShares uh, live webinar. So we'll be discussing some of this with them as well. But absolutely, Ren, we would love to hear your feedback because this portfolio is as much about you as it is about us building it. We would love for your submissions, if to Ren's point, there is a better ETF out there, uh, we'd love to hear about it. So hit us up on socials or email and include you in our considerations. A big shout out, I think, Ren, goes to Trevor Myers, Harry Caston, and James, who have already submitted stocks uh, to be considered in our satellite portfolio. Wow. Yeah, so James, James doesn't get a last name. No, I couldn't hey, find James's last have, name. His, his uh, recommendation mustn't have captured you in the same way. But look, we will be taking submissions from you guys to include into the portfolio. And if you'd love to come on the show and chat about them, then we would equally love to do that. So we'll leave it there. We've covered off, I guess, the basic six ETFs that we're going to be including. We'll get these up and visible in some form by next episode. Mate, that's a promise that you may not be able to keep. I know, but I will make it. <laughs> uh, even if it's just a screenshot on socials, yeah, that's, that's yeah. good enough. But look, uh, really looking forward to seeing how this sort of pans out and uh, really looking forward to your feedback as well. As we said, your submissions are welcome. And if there's a better way of doing this and constructing this, we'd love to hear from you. So uh, look, Ren, we'll leave it there. Nice one. Make sure you head to betashares.com.au forward slash equity hyphen mates to sign up for our live event with uh, Betashares on the 11th of August. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 